Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Proclamation News and Governance. Professor Johnson, we're talking about today's political world. This is mass destruction. Absolutely. Syria war as 33 Turkish soldiers killed in attack in Ildilib. Ildilib, 33 Turkish soldiers have been killed. At least 33 soldiers have died in a Syrian government attack in the opposition health northwestern Syria in a major escalation of the conflict. Turkey, which backs the opposition, says it hit 200 government targets in response, neutralising 309 soldiers. Russia's Syria's key military ally says Turkish troops were attacked in Ildilib province by Syrian forces while operating alongside jihadist fighters. It denies its own forces were involved in fighting in the Bayan area. Bayan area. Government forces supported by Russia have been trying to retake the Ildilib from the jihadist groups and back Turk and back and Turkish-backed rebel factions based there. The airstrike, the airstrike came after the opposition retook the key town of Serakib, northeast of Balian. Ildilib is the last Syrian province to remain in opposition hands. Reports suggest Turkey, a key member of the NATO alliance, may be relaxing its border controls to allow Syrian refugees to seek further refugee in the EU. What do we know about the attack? 33 of our soldiers were martyred as the result of the airstrike by the forces of the Bashir al-Assad regime, said Rahimi Dogan, the governor of Turkey's neighbouring Hatay province. Those wounded will be treated in hospitals in Turkey, but no one were in a critical condition, he added. After President Recep Tayyip Erdogan held an urgent top-level security meeting in Ankara, Turkish forces begin conducting ground and airstrikes. The Defence Minister Hulusi Akar said that in addition to the casualties inflicted. Five Syrian government helicopters, 23 tanks, 23 howitzers and two air defence systems have been destroyed. According to the Russian Defence Ministry, the Turkish soldiers have been killed in a bombardment while operating alongside terrorists. In the Bayan area where it said fighters from the Hayrit Tura al-Sham alliance, former the Nursa Front, were attacking Syrian government forces. Russia said it was con- constant contact with Turkey to ensure Turkish, shoot- Turkish troops not targeted in, Il- in Idlib and had been informed that Turkish forces were active to the Balyan. But Mr. Acker insisted the Russians had been informed about the locations of the Turkish troops and said 
No armed groups had been present near the soldiers who were attacked. He also said ambulances had been hit in the attack. An unconfirmed Russian media report says two Russian warships equipped with cruise missiles are being sent towards the Syrian coast. President Erdogan wants Syrian government forces to pull back from positions where Turkey has set military observation positions and earlier threatened to attack them if they did not halt their advance. But Syrian's government and Russia have rejected his demand pull to cease fire lines agreed in 2018. Russia also accused Turkey of violating the 2017 ceasefire by backing rebels with the artillery fire. In reaction to the crisis, NATO Secretary General Jens Stoltenberg spoke by the phone to Turkish Foreign Minister Mevlut <coughs> Mevlut Kavvosli for uh, Mev, Mevlut Kavvosli and condemned the continued discriminate airstrikes by the Syrian regime and its backer Russia in Idlib province and Turkish is meeting its NATO partners on Friday. A spokesman for the US State Department said we stand by our NATO ally Turkey and continue to call for an immediate end to this despicable offence by the Assad regime. Russia and Iran it backed forces we are looking at options and how we can best support Turkey in this crisis. <coughs> the UN Secretary General Antonio Guterres expressed grave concern over the latest escalation calling for an immediate ceasefire. The scene is set for full-scale confrontation between Turkey and Syria. This leaves all sorts of questions. Well, Ankara or Damascus back down. Can Moscow hardly a neutral party, a neutral party, in some way encourage de-escalation? And is there any way to persuade, persuade the Syrian regime to halt the wider offensive in Idlib? This appears doubtful, since President Assad seems intent on taking back off control of the area, and the Russians have already been backing him to this end. Read Jonathan's analyst in full story. Is the EU facing a new migrant crisis? At least 948,000 people have been displaced in northwest Syria since the government offensive began on 1st December. The UN says at least 365 civilians, including 145 children, have been killed during that period. The vast majority of them victims of attacks by the Syrian government and its allies. According to UN, children are also dying from the cold. Turkey has already taken in some 3.7 million refugees and Turkey's exasperation may lead to it send a new wave of refugees towards Europe. Unnamed Turkish sources told international news agencies on Friday that the country was intended lifting borders control to allow refugees to, to try to travel to the EU. We are 
we will no longer keep the doors closed for refugees who want to go to Europe, one source told AFP. Several hundred of people are reported to have gathered on the Turkish border at the Dickley in the hope of crossing illegal, illegally to Greece under, under a 2016 agreement with the EU which followed a wave of Syrian refugees and refugees and migrants from other countries to Europe. Turkey imposed stronger controls to curb the flow. The deal involved an EU pledge to provide 6 billion, 5.4 billion to 6.6 billion in aid to Turkey to house Syrian refugees. Greece have been consulting its EU and NATO partners about the crisis. Reuters News Agency reports Turkey Communications Director said his country could take in a million refugees for Syria. Far Retin Alton went on to Twitter to call for the international community to protect civilians in Idlib from the genocide by imposing a no-fly zone. The international community must act to protect civilians and impose a no-fly no zone. The guarantors of the Astana process, Russia and Iran, will lose their credibility if they fall on their commitment to reduce violence and hostilities in Idlib. Russians have rejected calls in the UN Security Council for the humanitarian ceasefire in North Syria, saying the only solution is to chase what is what it calls terrorists from the country. The Syrian government, which has regularly been accused of committing atrocities against civilians during the country's civil war, says it is um, liberating the Idlib from terrorism. Why is Turkey so deeply involved in Syria? Its long, its long border with Syria has brought into close contact with the civil war and is a strong opposition to the Assad government has made it a natural destination for refugees. But Turkey is also actively trying to prevent Syria's Kurdish community establishing control over the border region, fearing that this would encourage Kurdish separatism with Turkey, Turkey itself. It has been accused of seeking to drive Kurds away from the border in order to establish a safe area within Syria to rehouse two million refugees. Proclamation on UK infrastructure. What we've got in store for the infrastructure 220. New roads, new roads face Heathrow style court action threat. Plans for a 20 8.8 billion road programme could be challenged in courts for breaching UK's laws on climate change. The plans due to be published next month don't take it into account com uh, commitments on reducing emissions. The BBC has learned they're likely to face legal challenges from environmentalists. On Thursday, a court ruled that plans to expand Heathrow had failed to take climate policies into account. So what are their plans? The Prime Minister has promised many, many new roads with infrastructure spending focused on Northern England, but it is officials who make decisions over the roads of value of money and should go ahead. They are supposed 
supposed to weigh the benefits of a proposed road. For example, how much time drivers would save if it is built, against the drawbacks including the potential for increased carbon emissions. What is the problem? The current value for money assessment was done under guidelines last updated in April 2019 when the UK was planned to cut emissions by 80% by 2050. By two months later, the largest was raised, committing the UK to cutting almost 100% of emissions by the same date. BBC News has learned that the guidelines haven't yet been updated to take the tougher targets into account. The absence of up-to-date guidelines means that some climate, climate damaging road schemes may get approved. When under the new climate laws, they should be rejected. A pressure group, Transport Action Network, says investigations suggest some road schemes are going ahead, even if they're shown to increase emissions, whilst other schemes don't include any data on potential carbon emissions. The whole system desperately needs reviewing. The assessments were done in a pre-climate crisis area. They don't take into account the UK's commitment to net zero emissions, said the spokeswoman, Becca Lush. The group is now considered legal action against the government. What does, what does it have to do with Heathrow? The road assessment is closely related to Thursday's appeal in court, mourning over Heathrow. Judges said the former secretary, Chris Grayling, should have taken into account the latest comments on climate change before he granted permission for Heathrow to expand, throwing the project back into doubt. Environmentalists celebrating ruling against Heathrow's expansion plans. Aviation is a notoriously polluting sector, but the debate about cars of a less clear cut government hopes technical innovation in the same shape of electric and hydrogen cars will allow current or even increased levels of mobility to be carbon free by 2050. Its critics doubt the car, the clean car revolution will happen fast enough to prevent emissions breaching climate laws. They also warn about environmental impact of the mining and manufacturing needed to make better battery cars and of the unavoidable uh, particulate pollution generated by tyres and brakes. What, will the new roads be blocked? The Treasury has been under pressure to deliver a huge infrastructure package to run alongside the budget in March. A source said the assessment guidelines were constantly being upgraded, but wouldn't say whether they had accounted for zero net target. Josh Burke from London School of Economics said if the government wasn't keeping guidance up to date there was a risk of locking in highly pollution, polluting forms of transport which shouldn't technically be going ahead. Stephen Joseph, a visiting professor at University of Hertfordshire said it is highly the government will face further legal challenges if it is going to go ahead with road spending without having properly considered the implications for the net zero climate emissions. Some authorities are already taking the net zero emissions into account. The Welsh Government recently scraped a planned relief road around Newport, partly on environmental grounds. A North Somerset Council has halted proposed expansion of Bristol Airport because it is not compatible with zero net emissions. <laughs>
absolute traumatic syndrome coming up next on Proclamation News and Gavin's. Absolutely. The crisis forcing mothers to give away their babies in Venezuela. Crisis. Dumping babies is forbidden. The sign created by Eric Mijicano reads, The Venezuelan artist posted the signs on the walls across Venezuela after a newborn was found in the rubbish in the rubbish near his apartment block in the capital. Caracas Mexicano says that he was launched a campaign to alert people to the fact that in Venezuela something is becoming common which should never be considered normal. The country's economy is in freefall and one of three of Venezuelans is struggling to put food on the table to meet minimum nutrition requirements according to the study and by the UN World Food Programme. It's like one of the smallest economic countries in the world. With contraceptives hard to come by and beyond the financial means of many, unwanted pregnancies are common. Strict abortion laws which only allow for terminations in cases when their mothers live life is in danger further limits women's choices. Amid the economic crisis, one charity said in 2018 that it has been seen the number of babies abandoned in the streets or left at the entries of public buildings increased by 70%. The Venezuelan government has not released any official figures in recent years and neither the communications ministry nor the government body dealing with the uh, rights of children answered requests for comment. But social services and health workers consulted by the BBC confirmed there had been an increase in the number of abandoned babies as well as a spike in the house handed over for normal adoption. Shortcuts. Nelson Philazamil is a member of Child Protection Council in one of Caracas poorest areas he explains that faced with a poorly funded adaption system that is in total disarray desperate parents sometimes resort to shortcuts the story of baby Thomas, not his real name is one such case, he was born to a mother living in poverty in Caracas who felt she was in no position to raise him the gynecologist who was present at Thomas' birth agreed to help he says it was not the first time he came across a mother who felt she could not bring her baby up. They almost change their minds the first time they breastfeed the baby. He explains, but sometimes that is not the case, and then you have no have to find a solution. He contacted one of his parents in her forties and dreaming of having a baby. Tanya, not her real name had not been able to get pregnant. She wanted to help Thomas and his mother, but after some thought decided against to, uh, taking him in. Instead, she contacted a couple with whom she is friends who agreed to raise Thomas as their, uh, as their child in their home in rural Venezuela. They had to get the baby registered quickly in order not to arouse suspicion so Tanya paid $250, which is a £195 bribe for an official to turn a blind eye and put their baby's friend's name as a Thomas' birth mother. Thomas is now being raised by our friends in the countryside and 
his new family, as just celebrated, Tom was taking on his first steps. Tanya says she does not regret what she did and insists that she bypassed the official adoption channels for Thomas' benefit. I never thought of doing anything like this, but legal adoption doesn't work in Venezuela, and that baby would have suffered a lot of hardship in a public orphanage, she explains. She is trapped. Thomas was given away with his mother's consent, but there was no shortage of people exploiting the desperation of Venezuelan women. While she was pregnant with her second child, Isabel's husband died. Megan Isabel, not her real name, considered giving up the child she was expecting. I was alone and feared that I wouldn't be able to feed my baby, she says. Following the advice of an acquaintance, she flew to the island of Trinidad in the Caribbean to meet a couple she was told were interested in adopting her baby. She was told she would have the final say in any decision but soon came under pressure for the Colombian woman making the arrangements. I was told it's going to be legal and never committed to give my baby away, she recalls. But once in Trinidad, I realised I'd been trapped in a net of humane traffickers. I, will always, I was always being watched, she recalls. Isabel says that she was not allowed to leave the house where she was staying and to return a ticket for the flight she, she had been promised would take her back to Venezuela never materialised. <clears throat> she was then separated. Weeks later, she gave birth prematurely in a Tr Trinidadian hospital. She decided to keep her baby, but immediately was pressured by the Colombian woman and a man who claimed to be a lawyer. They told me that the new parents were waiting in the park parking lot and that I had to sign some documents in English that I understand and had to hand over my baby. Isabel refused at, the fir at first, but over the following weeks, he captures, increased the pressure, taking away our food, medicine and nappies. In the end, I had no ha I'd hand over my son to save his life, and for me to return to Venezuela to get help, she was crying. With the help of a non-governmental organisation, Isabel is now set off on a legal battle to recover her son, who is under the guardianship of the authorities in Trinidad, at present, she was only allowed to see him once a week. She says she will not give up until she was reunited with him. Mexico is worried by the US ruling over boys' border killing. Mexico worried by the US ruling over boys' border killing. The Mex Mexican government says its regrets as ruling by the US Supreme Court that bars the family of a Mexican boy who was killed in 2010 from using the US Border Patrol agent was sh who shot him. The boy Sergio Hernandez was shot dead in, Mex in Mexican soil by the US Border Patrol agent Jesus Mesa, who was on the US side of the border. The court ruled that the parents could not use the US courts to sue Mr. Mercy, Mercer. The Mexican government says it is concerned it could set a precedent. What happened in 2010? The incident happened in the border between El Paso, Texas and Juarez, Mexico. Agent Mesa was on a bicycle trial on the US side of the border and was reportedly alerted to the presence of people smugglers.
Sergio had and Andy's 15 was with a group of youths in the dry bed of Rio Grande but the agent mess approached. Incense were border runs through the middle of the concrete culvert built to contain the river but is unmarked. His family said Sergio is playing with his friends who were, de- uh, who were daring each other to run up the incline and touch the fence on the US side. Argent Agent Messer detained one of the boys for illegally crossing the border, but Sergio Hernandez and a boy ran and hid behind a pillar on the Mexican side. It was shot twice by Agent Messer as the boy peeked out from behind the pillar. An investigation by the US authorities ruled that the agent had acted in self-defence but found no evidence that Sergio Hernandez had thrown any stones. What what was the court case about? The Mexican authorities charged... Agent Messer with murder, but the US authority refused to extradite him. So Sergeant Hernandez's family tried to sue Agent Messer in the US for violating the US Constitution by using ex- excessive force. Sergio Hernandez's parents took the case all the way in the US Supreme Court. Lower courts dismissed the case and it went to the US Supreme Court. In a 5-4 to four decision divided along conservative liberal lines, the Supreme Court decided to uphold the lower court's decision. The conservative justice argued that the cross-border shooting is by definition an international incident and called for a diplomatic, not a legal solution, arguing that allowing the case would have had foreign relations and national security implications. Dissenting Justice Ruth Baber Ginsburg said that Mesa allegedly unwarranted deployment and of deadly force occurred on United States soil and that it did not make sense to dismiss the action because the bullet had landed on the Mexican soil. What was the reaction been? Mexico said it was worried that the ruling could would set a precedent for the instance in which its nationalists had been killed. The government expressed deep concerns about the effects that the decision will have on other similar cases. In Mexican citizens have died from gunshots fired by the US agents towards the Mexican side. A lawyer from the family of Sergio Hernandez warned from walling with my Wild West attitude on our border to be left with no remedy. Given such a violence and an unprovoked shooting weakens the constitutional foundation of America's house, Robert Hillyard said, Devastating stories. Oh, here we go. Post-Brexit talks on proclamation. Post-Brexit talks on proclamation. Proclamation, proclamation, post-Brexit talks. We found out what's going on. The tuck boss warns the PM. The head of the UK's unions has warned Boris Johnson. She will get to hear what goes on in the post-Brexit trade talks with the EU even if the Prime Minister tries to withhold details from her. The Tuck General Secretary, Francis O'Grady, said European leaders were open with their unions, who passed the information and kept her well plugged in. She urged the PM to defend workers and not to make EU laws a fertility test. Downing Street promised it would not weaken employer protections. A spokesperson said the government wanted to make the UK best place in the world to work 
and would maintain exceptionally high standards. The UK left the EU on the 31st of January and has given itself until the 31st of December to reach a trade deal, during which time most EU rules will continue to apply. Ahead of the talks on Saturday, on Monday, starting on Monday, sorry, the government has said it will not undercut existing, work, existing workers' rights. It's in, in its pre-negotiation statement, it called for both sides to make a commitment not to weaken or reduce the level of protection affordable by labour laws and standards. But the UK is demanding the right to diverge from the future EU rules, which is set to be a major point of contention in the talks. Speaking at the Tuck's headquarters in London, West End, Miss O'Grady, a, a Remain campaigner in the 2016 referendum, said she had real concerns over Mr Johnson's stance. Asked for a meeting with the Prime Minister, she said, we're still waiting to hear. But the Tuck is part of the European Trade Union Confederation, which represents equivalent bodies throughout the EU. Very often, our sisters' unions find that our governments tell them much more about what's happening in negotiations on trade with the UK than our government tells US, said Michelle Grady. I thought we're stopping the trade deals with the European Trade Union Confederation, which you're just reading. That's what Brexit is all about, wasn't it? This gives us a unique perspective, a helicopter view of what's actually going on and ways to take the PR spin out of the uh, substance. We are quite, we're quite well plugged in. Miss O'Grady, who became the Tuck's first female General Secretary in 2013, said she wanted to play a constructive role in the EU-UK negotiations, adding the government needs to wise up and understand that if there's transparency happening elsewhere, then we'll get to hear about it. So how much better if that was shared with us direct? But there's a lot of macho posture, uh, posturing, a lot of hot airing and virality testing going on at the moment. It is very old-fashioned, a few of negotiation. The Conservatives took seats from Labour across its traditional strongholds in the, in the Midlands of north-east of England at December's general election, with promise to get Brexit done. The PM is on probation, Miss O'Grady said. He acknowledges that those votes have been loaned and have not got to deliver some early wins for workers. What's clearly to me is that if we don't see protection of workers right post-Brexit, if we don't get to see fair taxes, if we don't see living up terms of our NHS and public services, then the government's honeymoon will be very short. Although the Tuck is not officially aligned to any political party, 12 of its 48 member unions are affiliated to Labour and the biggest union, Unite, and the Unison are the party's main donors. Labour's lost four general elections in a row and Miss O'Grady has a stern message for the three contenders to replace Jeremy Corbyn as leader, Rebecca Long-Bailey, Lisa Nandy and Sir Keir Starmer. I want a leader who has the hunger to win power, she said. They need to figure out what's the most important and what will make the most difference to people's lives. 
With Labour weakened in Parliament, Miss O'Grady sees the unions are more important in holding the government to account. I don't think anybody can ignore the fact that we are still nearly 6 million members strong, she said. And in fact, last year, we grew net by 100,000. It's modest, but we've grown an organisation. The number of trade union members, according to the government's statistics, have roughly half since the end of the 1970s, when the unions were at the height of their power. Changes of the law since have made organising industrial action and picked in more difficult. Miss O'Grady said hundreds of thousands of non-unionists UK workers currently face 1970 conditions, having to hang around for casual work or operating on zero, zero hours contracts. The government is warning that trade, t- trade talks with Brussels could end as soon as June unless the broad outline of a deal is reached by then, including unemployment rights. A Downing Street spokesperson said that the government was bringing forward the large, largest upgrade to workers' rights in a generation in its employment bill. They added that, while not aligned to the EU rules, the government will continue to lead the way by building on existing employment law with measures that protect those in low-paid work and the big econo- economy. Miss O'Grady said she would continue to lobby Mr Johnson for a meeting. I'm always optimistic, she said. We need a deal with the EU that protects people's jobs, rights and public services. A wise Prime Minister would make sure the tuck is at the table. My door's always open. We are cheaper than the Daily Mail. We are cheaper than the Daily Telegraph. We're cheaper than the Daily Express. The Sun... So why don't you give us some encouragement? A small gift costs you pence. These new papers charge you sometimes £1.20 or 75p. Small gift, I'm on every day, it's free to air. It's free to subscribe and it's free to give me some acknowledgement and encouragement. So it saves you stinging your eyes from reading just got to burn your ears a bit from listening but it's proclamation of the government's Professor Johnson I'll just give you a good good rundown of what's in store for the news ahead proclamation news and government's Professor Johnson stay tuned.